Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast, a week on from one of the biggest disappointments known to man. We've rectified things. We're not talking about Wales's defeat to Italy. We're talking about the lack of the mighty Murph on uh, on last week's podcast. Um, but he is uh, he's here with us to uh, to take a look at um, well a fascinating week for Welsh sport. We are going to get you venting your spleen on the Six Nations, I'm sure, Murph. But um, <laughs> there's uh, there's been some alright results in between. Then most notably for the uh, for the Wales women's side uh, defeating defeating Ireland away, which is a hell of a result. Yeah, it's been a f- actually a fair amount to um, lighten the mood after last weekend because yeah. obviously Thursday night. Uh, oh, incredible! It was outstanding. I, 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 there's been quite a lot of fallout from the juxtaposition of uh, Saturday, last Saturday, uh, last weekend, Saturday, the last game in the Six Nations, Wales, Italy, and five days later, um, not just the the performance, but the atmosphere and the, and the uh, uh, result, the surroundings, uh, and just everything around it. Uh, it's just chalk and cheese from the two events. I mean, I, I don't think... I, I'm correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think it costs more than thirty quid to go and watch Wales play football. It might it's be some more very, expensive. Very, yeah, but there's, it's incredibly well priced. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. We're, that's we're why gonna, you can't get tickets. By yeah. the way, <laughs> and but, we're going to we're going um, to have a look a look at that um, a bit deeper as well because you mm. you me and Dan were talking about it during the week and we're definitely uh, definitely going to have uh, have a look at that. But you're right, that certainly lightened the mood. Uh, yeah, as well, well it's, I mean, I, I, in a way, I, I'm sorry, I. I I couldn't make last week. There was just some event I had to support at my rugby club, and uh, I, I was flattered as well and weirded out that people were looking forward to me um, 
dissecting it, but I'm a little bit glad in a way that I wasn't because I might have gone a bit too far <laughs> in most yeah. battles. I mean, I I I, I got no uh, uh, hesitation to say that I would sack the coach for last week. But no, let's the, let's 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 carry on with this, Murph. We're going to look at the, <laughs> we're, we're going to look at the. Um, we will we will take a look at the. I know we don't often cover cover uh, women's rugby on um, on this podcast. And that's mainly because no. uh, you know we don't profess to know enough about it. But I said we, we yeah. will talk about that a bit more. Uh, we'll have a look at the regions, of course, as well because they've been um, full uh, full kind of fixture list uh, for them as well. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we will dwell and uh, and look at the the things that football is getting right that uh, that rug, the Welsh rugby union just simply isn't getting right at the moment. But Everyone is keen to hear your take, Murph, on the mm-hmm. uh, on the on the fallout from the the defeat to Italy and the Six Nations as a whole. And, and you've said it there; you've got no hesitation. It, it would be time to go for Pivot. Yeah, I would. I mean, uh, look, it's expensive to sack the coach because you've got to pay out the rest of his contract, and his contract's got eighteen months or whatever it is left. And then you've got to get the new guy. And I, I, I got no hesitation to say I would get rid of him, but I knew. 80-90% sure that it wasn't going to happen because it relies on someone doing due diligence on mm. pre-tournament saying uh, contingency if we wouldn't spoon or we're terrible or, or, or we completely implode uh, who who are we going to go for if we need to get, get rid of the coach or if you know if, if uh, anything happened to the coach, coaches can mm. get taken ill or, or, or uh, decide he's out of guts and leave anyway. You know what I mean? So that would require the WIU or whoever, you know, the chief exec or whoever that is to go around speaking to agents in advance just in case. And I, I wouldn't want to put money on it, but I'm pretty sure they probably didn't. And probably because they know they can't afford, they can't mm. afford to anyway, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, people like uh, the guy who's been mentioned before, Scott Robinson, um, I'm not sure if you'd even want to come here. Signed, uh, between the last time we had a big pod saying we wanted Scott Robertson on and this mm. crisis one, he's signed a new contract. So it's, yeah, uh, that would cost you even more money if you wanted to get Robertson. Who, yeah, you know, there's, there's no point. There's no point sacking Pivak and getting a you know a makeshift coach. You've got to get no. a world beater if you, if yeah. you go out and make pull the trigger. Well, even if Robertson was out of contract, he still maybe doesn't want to move halfway around the world. Just you know, maybe as simple as that. Whatever you offer him. Uh, the, the one I think, the one I've always preferred and the one I think is gettable is Pat Lamp because mm. he wouldn't even have to move out. <laughs> he could just move move to our job. Uh, obviously, he's, I think he's got a long, expensive contract with Bristol, so we can't probably can't afford to buy him out of anything. But he's expressed interest before that Wales, I think in the last World Cup, he was quoted in one of the papers saying Wales could easily win a World Cup because he, he basically admires the player players mm. that much. Um He's got enough of them at Bristol as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's a fan of certain uh, certain players actually who've been out of form. But he was a big fan of Liam Williams and various people. Um, so he would be my favourite. But that would require, you know, lots of pre-planning and possibilities. And I mean, technically, really speaking, uh, does anyone think Wayne Pivak's contract is going to be extended after the next World Cup? I don't think Wayne Pivak thinks that. Therefore, they should be looking at the next coach now, shouldn't they? Mm, because you've got to work out who whose contract is up. Um, I know Eddie Jones might be available in eighteen months, so that's a that's an option. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you've listened to last week's podcast. I have, Murph. I have, but yeah, but yeah. You know, I weirdly found myself thinking that 
Eddie Jones would get a better tune out of the players than, <laughs> and, and it would be a job he'd be better suited to because he. D- I think the problem with Eddie Jones is at the moment he doesn't, you know, his his selection. He's got too too many players to choose from, mm. and he only really wants to pick the players that he knows and trusts from from three years ago. Whereas yeah, actually in yeah. Wales he, he wouldn't have that luxury, and I think he'd probably be able to drill them into a better side. But I don't. I wouldn't for a minute suggest that's the, that is the answer. <laughs> no, I would. I mean, I, I don't think he could cope with the scrutiny. He doesn't like the scrutiny in England. Oh, Jesus, God! You know, no. any anyone suggests that. You know, how many times have we seen him come out banging the drum for Mike Brown, only to drop him six months later? You know, it's, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, I, I wonder how much of that is an act, but at the same time, you're right. He definitely doesn't enjoy the press. No, the press intrusion, and he would get it. Full, you know, we'd get it full on in the South Wales bubble, you know. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, that, that was a joke anyway. I, I mean, I don't want, I, I don't, I don't want him to coach over here. I don't want to coach being coach one of the regions, let alone, uh, let alone the national side. Uh, but that, you know, like I say, that that's that's the timescale they're on now. Is the next guy's got to be started to look to look at? And um, Sean Holly's licking his lips, isn't he? Who? Sean Holly's licking his lips. Looking at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the only reason I've said that is Dan's keen to get more impressions on in on the show, and it's about <laughs> one, of, one of the four rugby impressions I can do. But I'll, yeah. leave, you, I'll leave you hanging for that one. Um, yeah, I can't join in on the impressions thing. I, I, I'm not no, Murphy, you're, you're here for rugby rants and swearing and uh, and taking us off on bizarre tangents, and that's what the that's what the Murph fanboys are out in for, in force for. Fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> also, while I, while I remember, uh, and, and we're taking this on tangents, I don't know if you saw, but one of our listeners, uh, I think it was Will William Carter, got in touch to say San Miguel is actually Filipino and not Spanish, which we mentioned no a couple way. of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the first time I ever saw, you know, in my entire life was in Spain, probably Mallorca, yeah. and it's Philippine. Wow. Yeah, who knew? Yeah, um, but yeah, hopefully they're forgiving and we can get a, a, a sponsorship deal out of them at some point. Because so who is? Hang on, what hmm. what beer have they got in Spain? Uh, Australia, I think is Spanish. Oh, of course, yeah, Estrella yeah. Dam, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, okay. yeah, there you go. But I think it's hugely popular in Spain. Anyway, uh, more oh. to this, more more on this to come from our San Miguel sponsored trip to <laughs> Spain and the Philippines. Well, I mean, they've got the right name if they want to sell it in Spain, haven't they? Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. To go back to a point you made a, a few a few minutes ago about Wales needing to look at what the what the next coach looks like. Strangely, that is actually something that we did this time round. You know, Wayne Pivak was there in situ. You know, the, yeah, the kind yeah. of the yeah. coach elect, if you like, mm. um, ahead of the World Cup. You know, that was that was something that seemingly the WRU had done that we'd never really done in the past because we were used to sacking coaches either just before or in mm. the car park of a World Cup. Mm. And um, that is something that, that they had they had done. But Yeah, it was properly uh, managed, wasn't it? But if you remember, as soon as he was appointed, uh, uh, Scarlets couldn't play to save their lives for a while win, yeah. uh, until he left. Um, so, Which I think part of it, you know, at the time, I think you could be forgiven for saying that your eye is, of course, going to be drawn elsewhere if you've accepted a national job that's a lot bigger. Yeah. But they and the players as well. The players know you're leaving. So they'd they, they be looking, you know, I wonder who the next coach is and they'll take their eye off the, not literally, eye off the ball, professionally speaking, like, you know what I mean? So that could affect the players too and that might explain some of it. I, I, listen, I wouldn't object if the next guy was Welsh. Well, who would that would who that would be? I, I, I have no idea. That's where I should have done Sean Holly. That would have made a lot more sense. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I'd who, like it to be someone still still employed in coaching, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you know, uh, there's a lot of people. If it's people who aren't even employed, there's a lot. There's a lot of Welshmen who are available for that job. Yeah, I mean, God, the next. Uh, frankly, they just because, as has been mentioned in many press outlets this week, this lies a lot deeper than just the Welsh side are out of form and their head coach is is under scrutiny. This is. Or it feels like a we need to take a step back and look at the absolute state of the game, and that's everything from how the the professional game and the amateur game could or should be decoupled. Mm. It's through to the player pathways. It's through to can we really carry on with four regions? If so, how do we fund them properly? And I think that all of these problems have been there for a very very long time, but the general success of the Welsh side under Gatland if not papered over them, diverted our attention from it. Yeah. I mean, last weekend, uh, actually, still now, uh, I I thought um, coaching at every level of the sport in Wales needed to be overhauled Mm. because last week came on the back of the Scarlets and the uh, Cardiff getting rings run run around them in in South Africa. Obviously, you know, altitude and high temperatures aside, they were just faster and better at uh, throwing the ball around miles mm. better at throwing the ball around and that's why every time there was loose play it invariably ended up in one of the south african regional sides scoring a try and uh, that was no different this weekend either but it, it showed that like kind of what people regard in wales as our natural game which is open flowing rugby mm. we can't do it anymore no. we, just, we just can't there's no functioning backline in wales um and uh, i think the same weekend uh, as Wales Italy, um, uh, the under twenties couldn't get a backline going. The the the, the tactic seems to rely on the opposition missing missing a tackle from Harry Carey. Otherwise they can't. Otherwise they can't use their backs to flow the ball across the field and back again to, until there's an opening and then go around the outside of them or, or whatever and score a try. It has to rely on someone busting a tackle. Otherwise they mm. they can't score because the, the handling skills are just not slick enough across. Uh, the national side, the, the regions, and the, and the um, age grade representative levels. So la- la- <laughs> last Sunday, I was uh, thankfully not on, but I was. I just thought the whole sport needed to be, as you just said, organisationally, but also the way uh, handling skills are coached throughout the whole sport, or the whole of the professional side of sport, and obviously that's gr- going to impact grassroots as well, I guess. But just needed to be reassessed the way we do things in in this sport in wales that's so that's so depressed it was <laughs> no and I, you know the, the fact that there's the fact that gareth bales helped to uh, help wales edge closer to qualifying in football doesn't solve that does it it helps divert our attention for a little bit but mm. it's i think you're absolutely right and the the kind of the continual poor form of the under 20s across the across the last couple of years is, is something that, that, that is definitely worrying. And, you know, look, I, under 20s is difficult to gauge, isn't it? Because sometimes you've got 18-year-olds against 20-year-olds and, yeah. um, you know, yeah, yeah. 20-year-olds with, with first-team experience and stuff like that. So that can be tricky. But we have, at the same time, seen Wales under 20 sides reach the World Cup final and beat the Baby Blacks and win Grand Slams. And from there, those players, you know, not all of them, of course, not all of them, but lots of them have gone on to be very promising 
and have very good careers, but it doesn't feel like that at the moment. Certainly when you look at the, the recent results in the Six Nations, it's not even like you can really point to it and say, well, we're playing good rugby, but we're getting hammered up front. It doesn't, it, it doesn't look like that. It, it looks like there's, aside from a few individual eye-catching performances, there's very little to, to suggest that your theory that coaching across the board needs to be readdressed is wrong. I, I, you know, I'm not saying uh, coaches are bad. Uh, I think there's plenty of good coaches around. I just think the way we coach, the, the way we try to play the game and coach to achieve that game uh, needs to be looked at and done a different way. Because, I mean, you know, it might, it might be naive or it might be um, uh, helpless, romantic about the sport, but you, we can't even string, you know, <laughs> from, from left-hand side of the pitch, set piece, flowing ball across right to the other side of the pitch. We can't do it without someone having to check their run or, or you know, not quite uh, catch the ball and, 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 and pass in, in a smooth action, you know, and it's all stuttery bullshit uh, rugby. And even, ba- you know, basic stuff like that is um, difficult for our players to do and completely second nature for second string South African sides in uh, in high altitude, I know they're you know it's their native environment. They they, they used to do that, but the, they they never they do all they they execute all their basic skills, which is running, catching, passing, faultlessly, and then uh, backed up by the fact they're all really really athletic as well. They're just scoring freely all over the place, um, and some of our you know uh, moderately uh, rated wingers over the last few weeks have been. Humbled in the extreme uh, in the, by going down there, um, it, it, I think it's actually helped. <laughs> it's actually helped the Blues this weekend because they finished the game, the high altitude training, training yeah. yeah, the high altitude training, which is basically running back under your posts every five minutes. Uh, <laughs> as um, sort of in good stead, and they finished the game much stronger than um, Glasgow. I haven't seen the full game yet, but uh, that was a good result. Yeah, it was absolutely, and we'll we'll definitely come on to the uh, to the regional results in uh, in the second half of the show. But just to go back to a point that you that you've touched on there, because again, we don't associate South Africa with playing a you know if, France. Okay, you look at France and they play champagne rugby, and that's kind of what you associate with being the traditional style of French rugby. And you know, I know certain parts of these are stereotypes, but having a style of rugby that you want to play from top to bottom is something that I think is quite important. You know, England haven't found their style of play and they're struggling for it because they're trying to develop a, you know, this this kind of all court game if you like. And it doesn't it doesn't it's not it's not second nature to them. And I think it's the you know, it's the same with Wales and we we're, we're kind of kidding ourselves that we've played that kind of rugby for a very long period of time, you know. For all that success under Gatland, we know it wasn't driven by silky backs moves. It was yeah. driven by very well executed game plans but at mm. the moment the thing with the Welsh national side is there is no game plan and yeah, well, yeah. it's seemingly not and until you get those things right you're going to struggle to compete but for a long term you know, so some, someone like Pat Lamb for example might be able to come in put some structures in place everyone knows their job selects a team where he knows what his best 23 is or there or thereabouts and that, I think, would improve results. I'm not saying it is Pat Lamb, but someone of that coaching pedigree would help, mm. would be able to do that. The other part is it definitely runs a lot, lot deeper, and there needs to be a, a real look at how 
yeah, like you say, how coaching is done in Wales and and what we're trying to do, we are, what we're trying to produce players for. Yeah. I mean, we're just, we're just not fully rounded players at the moment. Um, I, I think that, uh, if anything, overcoached. I know that's a bit of a mm. simplistic way of um, glossing over the problem, but, you know, they, there's too much structure. Uh, again, I don't want to go harp on about how, Teams play at altitude, but uh, they don't seem to—they don't seem to have any structure other than they're going to take it to you um, with slick hands and put pace on the ball. You know, um, uh, and I know you know that's not really a fair comparison when you're talking about Six Nations because in all those games we've watched, even the high-scoring ones, there's been really strong defensive set, uh, systems in place. So it's not as simple as I make it sound, but at regional level it is. You know. Um, Obviously, Connacht or Edinburgh on a Friday night is totally different from uh, Cape Town on a Saturday afternoon. But um, there's still the basic, there's still the basic elements of the sport what, what, uh, what, uh, that they can't do. Um, obviously, you know, it's a culture shock going from uh, um, a South Walian February to mm-hmm. South African uh, uh, high summer, but. Um, and, it, and like I say, it, it did. It's, uh, the Scarlets benefited as well because they found their backline uh, this weekend against Sebrae away, and um, uh, Cardiff played much better at the end of the game today. So maybe, it, maybe it could help <laughs> getting rings round you, run round you down there. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it definitely feels like it's it's good proper preparation rather than having, like you said, three weeks off mm. and just looking completely rusty when you come back. Practicing, of, practicing your systems or whatever the fuck yeah. they are. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a hell of a wake-up call, isn't it, when you're in, yeah, wherever it is, Pretoria or Pretoria or Durban or any of, the, <sighs> any of those, those places because it's bloody difficult to, to oh. get a result and you, you're, getting a, you know, you're getting a hiding in, some, in, in many cases. Some of the back three players, they got lying around on the floor and they're uncapped. Incredible, aren't they? <laughs> I mean... Uh, Curtly Arense played against the Dragons today. He's got a beautiful try. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was, well, I'd say Chris, it was like a Christian Cullen type try. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 to be honest, I wasn't that disappointed in the Dragons. I thought their backs were quite good. Uh, they scored a uh, first phase. Rio Dyer scored a try off first phase which was a set move, which really impressed me. And it was another try for Rossa, which I enjoyed. Obviously, they shipped 60 points, so you mm. know, I'm not defending them. But, uh, 50, wasn't it, I think? I thought it was 60. Uh, maybe it was. Uh, Do you know what? It's the only game I haven't seen this weekend, actually, yeah. is, is my own team. So I only had time, I only had time for... Uh, I was like, right, I can squeeze in three this weekend alongside mm. you know, cooking a Mother's Day roast and all that kind oh, of stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, right, I'll pick the, th- the three games where they're least likely to be uh, hammerings in. Obviously, the Osprey didn't transpire that way. No. But, um, but yeah, the other two were, were good results. But, mm. yeah, to, Arense, you're absolutely right, because I noticed him playing in the uh, the game against the Scarlet before. And, I mean, just an absolute Rolls-Royce of a fullback. Yeah. And uh, you're right. They are These are uncapped <sighs> players knocking about around these clubs. And uh, there are some, yeah, some wonderful, wonderful um players in there in those in those back threes and uh yeah you're right you know i mean it can only it can only be a good thing for player development to be playing against uh yeah. playing in tough conditions uh physically and against much more skillful opposition 
whether or not it's uh, it's good for creating a competition that gets people interested. Oh is, God, is no! Probably, is probably is probably another thing. No, I doubt um, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, but yeah, you know, n- nonetheless, uh, I, I think those those teams did benefit from it. Just to wrap up on Wales then for the uh, for the end of the the first half, Murph. Anything that you saw during the Six Nations that you think you know we're kind of closer to solving? Have you seen you know anything in there that suggests that? Um, we know, you know, we've got some answers to some questions other than perhaps he's not the right head coach. Uh, no, um, there's no, I mean, look, we uh, we were completely uh, outplayed and overpowered in uh, Dublin. And then we, you know, this is a glib version of what happened. Then we dragged Scotland down to our level to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we played well in the second half against England, probably the best half of rugby. We were. When they were out of sight. I was there on the day and we were toilet in the first half. I I cannot emphasise that enough. And there's always, always, you know, um, an element where the side is 17-0 up at home, especially in Twickenham, where you you think they're taking their foot off the gas and allowing us to play a little bit because they're just waiting Mm. for the final whistle. But still, three tries in the second half, you can't really pick too big a hole in that. Uh, Then tactically, we were good against France because we limited them. Uh, and they didn't seem to want to play that much and were happy for us to have the ball. So that's probably not that much of a compliment. And then we were just a bunch of arse against Italy. I was 21 points against Italy at home. You know, uh, even if, look, if Win Jones's try, which was a try, had been given. It was a try. Yeah. We, we wouldn't be having such a massive uh, uh, autopsy of the sport. But... Um, you know, it would have been a bonus point and there was no way, there was no coming back from it. But uh, just the way at the end, like Josh Adams, who was obviously a great player, his tackle on yeah, just... the Argentinian fullback, whose name was Gazpacho or something like that. <laughs> Rare beef guy. Uh, his tackle was it's pathetic. Ange Caputzo, I think it is. Yes, Ange Gazpacho. Uh, <laughs> um his tackle was pathetic. And then uh, Kieran Hardy's tackle was worse. Never even laid a finger on him. Didn't use the touchline. Didn't, didn't do anything to like s- slow him down so that the cover defence could get to the guy or ending. Uh, and, it, and that's why they went deservedly lost. Um, and so we're having this uh, investigation into our team. But um, I don't... I, I mean, look, I, individually, I, I think Tom, Thomas Francis is one of the best tight ends in the tournament. And... It will, Opposition sides are targeting him in the scrum to avoid mm. the amount of penalties he wins, uh, and I th- I don't think people fully appreciate how, in Wales how good he is because he's already been in a side or a squad for about six or seven years, and he's not thirty yet. Mm. So we could have his best form to come in, in this position. I, I, he's got quite a few miles on the clock, although you know he doesn't get too many minutes for his uh, when he was a Dexter anyway. He didn't get too many minutes. Um, but he's underrated, I think, in, in Wales. Uh, and other than that, everyone else went backwards. <laughs> well, Dewey, Dewey Lake might be a discovery. I, th- you know? I think Lake is a discovery, actually. I would say that's a, that's a crumb of solace. Is I, um, As you can imagine, Murph, with my desperate attempts to turn this into a horse racing podcast Go on. and with Cheltenham being last week. Oh, Milan-San Remo last week as well. So the cycling yeah, season's well, officially oh, yeah, underway. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, you should have bloody turned up then, shouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I, I actually missed that. I had to watch it, highlights of it. Um, 
but yeah, I, I was, it's, you know, you, you look at the players and, you know, you know, when you talk about racehorses, you look for improvement, you know, you know that there's there's something more to come or mm. you look at a racehorse as being exposed and you know that actually they're, they're not going to get any better and they're, they're going to get a bit worse. Davy Lake was one of those players who I looked at and thought, there is, there's a lot more to come from this guy. Yeah. And, you know, he, for a start, he looks like he's 35. And, uh, that, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's, he's just so thick set and his face looks like he's taken a bat in the nicest possible way. Uh, you know, it looks like he's been around the block a lot already. And I think he's got, yeah, I, I just think that that raw physicality mm. and in a, in an age where we're all expecting front row, um, front row players to, to carry the ball, like, you know, like Antonio and, uh, and Cyril Bailly and, and these guys, um, there's so much talk about that. Well, you know, Tom Francis probably doesn't do, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't carry it like those, but you're right. He scrummages really well. Mm. Someone like Derry Lake, I think adds that, that level of dynamism to it. And mm. he's got a lot more to come from him. I think we're going to see a lot more improvement from, uh, from him. So that, yeah, that's something that I think was, was vaguely positive. Yeah. Um, ha- having said that, like, you know, acknowledging to um, diss all the players because a, a bad, a bad setup coaching wise yeah. will ruin any player. Them are, yeah. you know, uh, there's good players in the, in the English side and they don't look, look, look like they know what they're doing. You know, really good players in there and really good players in our squad. So yeah. um, you can't put the blame, I think, you know, but you, you get idiots starting to pick in holes in the effort. There was some weird theories about Alan Wynn last week, being out of position. I mean, this all is the madness. Time. Yeah, this is madness. Like, <laughs> weird. I, I, like I proper flat I, earth. I, I, I th- yeah, I think I've seen him have one average game yeah. In 150, yeah. 150 caps, and that was it. And funny enough, it's when he hadn't played any bloody rugby for six months and come back for no reason. Yeah, well, he, well, he kept. There was, I think, Sean Holly highlighted it. Him, he was overrunning balls, overrunning plays all the time. Your mate Sean Holly on Scrum Five, and then the theory got going around Twitter that he was deliberately doing it because he's trying to get rid of, <laughs> trying to get rid of Wayne Pivak. But th- that argument falls down when you point out the well, how come the rest of the team don't know where they're fucking supposed to be then are they all are they all deliberately clueless or is it maybe the coaching leaves them yeah, wondering I mean, what the fuck they're supposed to do all the time yeah this is flat earth um yeah, yeah, anti-vax yeah. territory isn't yeah, yeah, it it's yeah. um yeah complete and utter madness yeah. but um yeah i mean god it, but that but that is it though it does it looks like a, a bunch of players who um look like they've never played together don't know what they're doing, don't know where they should be. And we know that all that stuff comes from having a, a well-coached unit because everyone knows their roles. You know where you're supposed to be and you're not in two minds about things. International rugby is, believe it or not, very hard. And um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, it, and, it's, and it's, it happens at high speed. And if you're in two minds about something because things aren't clear, um, you know, or you don't feel, um, you don't feel like you've got the... Um, the clear instruction or you don't feel like you've got the the autonomy to to make those decisions yourself um then that comes down to that comes down to the coaching doesn't it we know that you know you when you see good players playing badly it tends to be it tends to be down to the coaching setup we've, we've seen that with the Wales side in the past you see it with numerous international sides question is whether or not anything's going to get done about it yeah and, and the, the best comparison i think i've used before is the irish side they're not man for man miles better than us you know like say France might be miles better than us man for man. They're in certain positions we'd be better than they are. You know, if you go off pair off man for man, but everyone knows what they're doing all the time, and they runs yeah. like a, it runs like a Swiss watch. Their 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 style of play. Um, so there's no obviously 
they're playing for strong provi- pro- provincial teams. So they're used to playing cohesive rugby at pace, which is not what ours are used to doing in the regional sides. But ability-wise, there's no reason why they can't play like that. There's no, there's nothing to stop them. They just, they just are not, they're just not all on the same page, are they? They're not, and uh, I think it's probably a good point now to take a break. We'll come back after that break and we will look at the regions and we'll also have a look, as we said, into just what the FAW are getting right, that the WRU are not, and uh, we'll be doing all of that in the second half. And, uh, yeah, don't go anywhere. Right, second half of the show, Murph. Do you want to take a look at the regions and then we'll finish the show by uh, by seeing if there's anything to be learnt from uh, from what's happening in the in the football sense? Yeah, yes, please. Good. All right. Um, the Ospreys got well and through well and truly thumped, um, which was what Friday night was it? Yeah, Friday night, uh, yeah. Fr- like five p.m. on Friday. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I think we covered most of that in the in the, in the first half of the show. It was exactly mm. like you said. Uh, you had a side in the uh, in the Lions who could pass to one another and do it at pace, and uh, were comfortably the the better side. It made for pretty depressing viewing, if I'm honest. Uh, it was yeah. definitely one of those where I thought, "Why am I doing this with my spare time?" Um, yeah, that that game did make me really worry for the Dragons. Yeah, uh, but I, like I say, I wasn't that disappointed for the Dragons. I, I expected the like, Bulls are in theory the strongest side down there. Um, it's between them and the Stormers, I think. I don't know. I don't mm. know. Um, and so I thought it could be really ugly, but you know they 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 made it not defensively, but attack wise, they made a, de- a decent fist of it. Uh, the Dragons. So um, I might have been watching that through my fingers, otherwise. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, some of the like um, Luke Morgan on the wing. I don't like name checking people who get embarrassed or anything, but uh, um, he's a seven circuit guy mm. and that he just couldn't cope with his opposite number yeah he just he, he beat him in in a metaphorical phone box on more than one occasion and then just outpaced him completely um so it must be quite shocking for those players to be exposed to it you know after the drudgery of the winter games in this country you know um so uh, like i say the, the positive you can take out of it is that um uh, uh, the Ospreys and the Blues, uh, Cardiff, have come back in better form for the exposure. For the exposure, yeah. Sorry, Scarlets and Cardiff. No Ospreys. Uh, Scarlets. Sorry, yeah, that's what I meant. You know what I meant, yeah, yeah. They both come back and played better behind um, from being exposed to that style of rugby. Uh, and, and uh, you know, look, it's that time of year. The pitches have gone rock hard. Like my, our mm. club, the pitches. We've only had one half a week of good weather and the pitch is like a dust bowl already so um this is the time of year to fling it around you know so um hopefully they'll have the same effect on the two clubs that are down there now i think they've got another game next week haven't they before they come back so um yeah yeah two game mini tours uh yeah i, I think there's very little to um i suppose maybe the ospreys hung in a bit longer than i thought they might um if i'm honest but mm. Difficult again when you go there, and it just shows the strength in depth. It was interesting what you were saying about Ireland in the first half, and I, I know what you're saying about there not being 
you know necessarily that many players who are better than than our players. But I think that's when we look at first fifteens. The thing that Ireland have got is they've got, you know, with the exception of outside half, is they've got real options in virtually every position. Yeah, they've got depth. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's the same problem with the regions. You know, you look at a player like like Josh Thomas, who I quite, you know, I quite like. I think he's quite, you know, a, a promising youngster. But that's a hell of a tall order to get dragged in at the last minute uh, yeah. away, uh, away to the Lions. Um, you know, expect her to run a game from from 10 when you, you know, you've not got a, a huge amount of experience. No. Like you say, I suppose the the hope is that all of the players will, will learn from that and, and you'll end up, um, you know, it will prepare you for a, for a higher intensity of rugby when you get back, but yeah. otherwise very little to, to, you know, to well, be and about. Not only have the um, Irish provinces got greater depth, but they've also got higher quality foreigners in their side. So yeah. um, we get bargain basement foreigners and, uh, also get Dwayne Vermeulen and Munster get Dialende and you know uh, the list goes on. So that you know going also going to South Africa with Dwayne Vermeulen on their side is a real help in terms of what they're about to face. You know, um, so yeah, it's not it's not a it's not a entirely fair comparison. But comparison, but when it comes to the the national sides, they they are not they are not streets ahead of us individually. It's just their collective. I know we're going back onto the international scene again now. Uh, there's very few sides have won down there at all. I think Munster won a game down there, didn't they? Now you're really testing me. I don't know if Leinster have been down there yet. Uh, they've all got to go before the end of the season, I think. I mean, the, the, God knows when the uh, end of the season is at the moment. I think, the, I think the Heineken Cup is in June. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, that tells you we've still got two months of the season left, nearly. Oh, it's just More than two months of the season. It's just, yeah, just yeah, a yeah. rolling season that never stops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're never, you're never sure which, which part. I mean, to be honest, for the... And there's a three, 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 three tests tour for a lot of the, our country and a lot of other countries after that as yeah. well. Yeah, and guess where we're going. I know. Yeah, that... Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we spent we spent that we spent the whole of the first half talking about the regions where we're supposed to be talking about internationals, and now we're going back <laughs> to, um, yeah. doing the opposite. But um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a real eye opener. With admittedly, you know, under strength regional sides going down there at the moment, but it is going to be a horrifically hard tour to go down to South Africa and, and get anything out of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's going to be a. I would take a very big squad because you're going to yeah. You're going to get injuries and you're going to get burnout and, you know, dropping like flies, I would imagine. I mean, there was a time in the amateur era, players would have uh, refused to go, oh, sorry, can't get out of work, <laughs> which is why we ended up with that 96-13 game. People forget about that 96-13 game. There's a lot of players didn't want to go and didn't go. And so there was guys who went there that literally won cap on that tour because the regular first-choice player didn't want to go to South Africa. So it was bad, but it was it was exacerbated by that that, that fact. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had the uh, the Rothmans rugby yearbook from that year. In fact, <laughs> so we could we could have a look at the team My, sheet right now. Ninety eight was it? Yeah, I think so, it was because it was just yeah. before. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, just before Henry came in, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was the that was the summer. But that's what they trot out now. Time. In in nineteen ninety eight, Wales went to South Africa and got ninety eight. Well. Loads of boys just said, sorry, I'm burnt out, I'm not going. You know, boys who would have been in the uh, Five Nations that, that spring yeah. um, just refused to go. 
because they've been too long a season. Whatever. We, we my, ended up. Mind you, Murph, is that the same? Is that the same Five Nations where we lost fifty-three nil? Oh, to quite France possibly. Might well have yeah, been, yeah, yeah, yeah. With a first-choice team. Yeah, yeah. And uh, England so like was an absolute hammering care, that year. Caretaker, caretaker coach Dennis John, as well. What over the summer? No, for yeah. that for that game, oh, for that, that 96-13 game, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just took all the reserves from Pontypridd. Because Kevin, Bar- <laughs> Kevin Baring went at the end of the Five Nations, is that right? Yeah, something like Where that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, that was well, a bit we'll, of a tangent again. Yeah, well, we'll see if any of them fancy uh, fancy going down to South Africa this summer or whether <laughs> or not there'll be a caretaker coach, who knows? That would be nice, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just you and Sean Holly. Well, it, the look, the, the other thing... Uh, it, Going back over all ground again, and then I said they got to do the they do they would have needed to do the due diligence on the issue, and there's a, a lot of money and a short space of time. It's also only twelve matches between now and the World Cup. So even if you brought someone in tomorrow, he's got twelve matches to get him to play like a team, which is not is that right? Twelve matches. That's what it boils down to between three this summer, four in the autumn, uh, f- five next. Um, spring and then whatever warm-ups they do 12 matches so you know even if uh, you brought someone in it would be like uh, a bit of a hospital pass for that coach anyway but um, I, I would still do it myself <laughs> yeah. well yeah I mean the thing is you if you're gonna if you're gonna pull the pull the trigger and and take the plunge on it and spend a lot of money in doing so um I don't think we're gonna I don't think having you know, do, doing it later is gonna is gonna solve anything, is it? Like you say, you have got a very limited period of games, but a tough tour like that to South Africa with a new coach, you would be able to have a look at it and go, right, which of these players has has got the grit and the character that that I that I want to take to the World Cup, and uh, you know, sometimes that's the only thing you, you can only get that real gauge from um, from going to a horrible bastard of a tour to to undertake. So um, yeah, we will see about that. But well, yeah, well, let's stick in South Africa then. Dragons, uh, as you say, um, perhaps could have been a, could have been a much uh, a much bigger hiding than uh, than we're anticipating. Um, that's as I say, that's the one I haven't seen. Murph, any uh, anything kind of stand out to you in that fixture? No, just just that you know, it, it was a hiding, but it, Dragons offered more um, than some of the other teams have done in their first game. Um, uh, down under, <laughs> uh, down south, um, and uh, so I, I was encouraged. I, I'd be interested to see if they can kick on again next week. Um, you know, they're not going to win. None of, the, none of the regional sides are going to win a game in South Africa, but uh, they can learn a lot. And I think we've seen that already with um, Scarlets and Cardiff. Yeah, no, I think I said. Yeah, it's a fairly safe assumption that the Dragons aren't going to overturn uh, overturn the Sharks on Friday night. But um, not the Ospreys; yeah. they're not going to beat you wherever they're playing either. No, I'm just check that while we're there. Who have the Ospreys? The Ospreys have got the Stormers, who, as you mm. say, are a, mm. um, a strong outfit themselves. So another tougher tough assignment waits. While we're on the um, Dragons, obviously, there's been a lot of talk in um, in recent weeks. Uh, we mentioned it a few weeks ago about. Whether Dean Ryan will be there or not, um, some rumours, some more transfer rumours this week. I don't, I don't think it's been confirmed yet, but looks as though Tyler Morgan and Angus O'Brien might be heading back to um, uh, back to the Dragons, which seem to be mooted on, you know, or, or seem to be uh, received on Twitter relatively 
you know, relatively badly, I would say, by a certain section of Dragons fans. Mm. I, if I'm honest, I think I think that strengthens the squad, both of them. I know, you know, I know it's not a, you know, it's not, um, yeah, you're not signing Dialende, but you know, Tyler Moore's had horrible injury, horrible run of injuries throughout his entire career. Mm. Um, when he's fit, he's a good player. And, you know, mm. and and you know, Angus O'Brien would be going to be. Um, going down there to be a third choice ten slash fifteen, yeah. you know, slotting into to two of those, and we've said all season we've had one option at ten. That's mm. it. So you know, I, I take him. I, think, I don't think they ever should let him go in the first place. Um, oh. So I don't know. I'm no, not, they shouldn't you know. have. In, 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 especially if they had nothing lined up to fit sit in behind Sam Davis, they shouldn't yeah. have let him go. He, he started really well at the Scarlets initially, uh, mm. O'Brien, but. Um, Gets, I don't know if he's injured, but he's had no opportunities lately. Uh, and jumping off subject again, um, the Scarlets have started to play again. And uh, uh, partly that could be from um, the style of rugby they've just um, been subjected to in South Africa. It could also be that um, Reese Patchell is starting games and starting to look like his old self. Yeah, let's, let's move on and talk about the Scarlets now, because I think that... Um... It's a difficult one to know uh, to know how much to read into it because Zebre are essentially the dragons of uh, the dragons of Italy. But I mean, they they play some good stuff going forward, but have struggled defensively. But there was, I know exactly what you what you mean. Watching that game, I was definitely thinking the thing that's most encouraging about this was just some of those uh, some of those uh, touches from Patchell mm. that make you think that you know he. he if he can just stay fit, there is <laughs> yeah. still a really, really, um, you know, an international quality ten there. He's ne- he's never really had that, that run for for Wales, but we know what what he can do when he's good. And it wasn't all perfect. It was a couple of shanked kicks and mm, yeah, and stuff like that. But it was just the the little the little things. The kind of knowing that there's someone outside you and you're going to get flattened, tip on pass. You know that yeah. it just helps. It helps so much. Well, yeah, there was. It wasn't um, so much that they beat. Zebra is the way they beat them. Obviously, the conditions were ideal for it, but uh, some of the moves it was literally um, the ball was in players' hands for not even half a second. They were catching and passing, just flicking mm-hmm. the ball along uh, the back line to people at depth. And it's just, unless someone makes an amazing read defensively, it's really hard to defend against. And it's like, uh, what uh, you know, the thing in um, football uh, where you in training, uh, I'm only saying this because I played Sunday morning football when I was younger, but you were only allowed to touch a ball once. Yeah. If you played the second touch, it was 10 press-ups or, or whatever, yeah. you know, punished. Um, and that, that, it was the rugby equivalent of that. You just weren't keeping the ball. That, that's what I seem to find uh, at lower levels and the worst regional performances is uh, players want to grab hold of it for half hour first and then make up their mm-hmm. mind. And by then, by then, everyone outside them is covered. Um, or, or they're just crashing it up anyway, you know, in the style of play we um, seem to favour in this part of the world. But um, that, to see a Welsh team actually flicking the ball, direct, like not even constant, it's sort of subconscious thing. It, 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 as soon as you've touched it, you flick it onto your your next um, your next supporting player, and it's just beautiful to watch. I, I, I would always rather watch a side playing like that than uh, than up the jumper, kind of prime Salisons, prime Exeter type of rugby. Or worse still, relentless box kicking. Yeah. 
yeah, and pick and go, pick and go. And then I'm glad, you know, I've heard people, not many in fairness, moaning about the uh, goal line dropout rule. But it was brought in specifically because of sides like Saracens and Exeter and England and South Africa, where they would pick and go at the line. And if they get held up again, they'd have a scrum and then do it all again, pick and go, pick and go. And then if they're held up at the line, they'd just go on and on forever like that. And we've, bro- we've broken that. Brilliant rule. Yeah. I think it's an absolutely we've broken all that bollocks up. If you keep someone up when they're doing the driving line out over over your own line, you deserve you deserve to get the ball. Yeah. You know, if you've got an opportunity to score and you don't take it, that ball deserves to be coughed up, not another set piece from five yards out. The only one I find it a bit odd at is when the ball's been kicked over the line and you dot it down and then you restart from your own line. Yeah. I still think that should be a 22. Yeah, it feels weird that this, yeah. It does, yeah. But it, but... it stopped teams playing the percentages on the opposition yeah, goal line. Because exactly. that's, that's what these forward-dominated teams were doing. It's just playing the percentages and keeping it safe. Low risk, low entertainment. Couldn't give a shit. You know, I would literally... But if that was on my TiVo, I'd just have my finger firmly on fast-forward yeah. until until it was over. Um, so, yeah, great rule. And I, anyone who has had a moan is usually... When I hear people moaning, it's because their side's just been held up over the line. Yeah. You know? But broadly speaking, I think everyone gets it. Yeah. I, you know, I think, to be fair, the, the law changes or the law tweaks um, for, this, for this season have been, really, have been really encouraging. And the 50-20 is... I'm going to call it the 50-20 because, one, it's easier. And, two, we just simply fucking lifted it from rugby league anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. I think that, that has added a different dimension because, one, it does mean that players drop back so there is a bit more space. Mm. But, secondly, it's just thrilling when it happens, isn't it? Mm. It's, just, it's just great because it's really hard to do. Like, it is it's hard to do. Hard My only concern to, to is it off. probably encourages kicking when we're trying to discourage kicking. It, obviously, the, the idea is to force sides to have less players in defence, in the defensive line, by mm-hmm. dropping back to cover the 50-22. But sometimes you get sides on halfway from a set piece looking to disguise a kick for a 50-22, which personally I'd rather they were trying to run it from there. But... Um, but there's a lot less aimless kicking, I think, as a result. That's yeah, the thing. Is like yeah, if you're kicking yeah, yeah. with a yeah, sense fairness, of purpose, yeah. mm. it's not just right. You know, we get into the aerial ping pong, mm. um, and you know, after five minutes, one side has gained ten yards off it. You know, I, I think there's um, there's a serious gain there to be made. So you're you're kicking with a with a sense of purpose. So um, yeah, and in uh, league, it was forty twenty, not fifty twenty. So it? Uh, so it's a more right. it's a more difficult, more skillful thing to do. Which if if uh, it's only you know in case but if it gets too prevalent the size of trying to kick a 50 22 all the time then i would favor calling a 40 22 because it is really hard then it's like uh boutier and jaminet and a few others are, <laughs> are going to be okay but a lot of a lot of teams are going to be less likely to try it on so much yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point um right let's wrap up with uh the regions we can take a look at cardiff who got cracking result against uh, against Glasgow and mm. uh, you know with 50 minutes on the clock I didn't really see it coming to be honest um but I think I think you're right the uh, the physical conditioning that they've had in the last in the last week or so might well have might well have helped um but also I, I do just think they you know if we talk about sides who have a style of rugby they do they do want to play um pretty expansive rugby Cardiff and it helps it being a you know a 
a, a, a nice a nice hot sunny day and playing on that artificial track mm. does um does them plenty of favors but um fair play to them you know despite conceding three tries in the first half they uh they bounced back well and um and finished the game really really strongly and there's some you know some for me some really good individual performances in there i thought turnbull was excellent again um Halaholo had the game that suggests that we should not be giving up on him being mm-hmm. an international player. Uh, we perhaps just should maybe play him when he's fit. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wait till um, he's had a run out and then pick him yeah, for Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I thought I thought he he was he was fantastic, and and not just um, not just you know for what we know he's capable of doing. You know the the step and the and the, and the passing and the and the finishing and stuff like that. But defensively, I thought he was excellent as well. Usually, there was some important slowing the ball down and turnovers as well. Mm. And God knows we need that in the Welsh side mm. because the speed of ball that the players have against us is, is so is so quick. Mm. And so you know, I thought that was that was definitely encouraging. And then obviously, Cabango's a really um, has really exciting talent. Grabbed two, grabbed two tries. You know, um, I thought there was there was yeah quite a bit to be. Um, have you heard some praise for James Ratty's carrying as well? I haven't seen the yeah, game. Yeah, he was great actually. Myself. To be fair, he was re- yeah. That's a, a really good point. Um, he looks like he's benefited yeah. from being in the Welsh squad. What are you seeing, having to look at other players around him and thinking, oh, I can't be any worse than this. <laughs> Possibly, or or just you know the the le- well. I mean, he's already a professional, but the level of professionalism that international rugby requires, and the, yeah. uh, and just maybe. Maybe thinking, well, Valatel's nearly thirty-two. Mm. <laughs> you know that could have crossed his mind, um, but he's yeah. he's kicked on, and, and you know um, it's only one game. We'll see, but um, he just looks uh, uh, hard work every time he's every time he's carrying the ball. It, look, it, it take, it's taking two two or three men to bring him down, sort of thing. So, yeah, he did really well, and um, I think actually towards the end of the game. <laughs> The, the breakdown work, well, someone mentioned it in commentary as well, but they did a really good job of, uh, of nullifying Darge at the breakdown, which, you know, again, obviously he's you know, straight out of that Scottish mould of the horrible, rabid dog of a, of a seven. Um, and they did a really good job of nullifying him, both in defence and attack. And, um, and I think, yeah, that, that'll, be, um, that'll be encouraging. But they, they, definitely, they definitely hit... Um, Hit a bit of a flat spot, you know, for a twenty-minute period. The the kind of the second quarter of the game, it was just too easy for Glasgow. So it's it's just it's you know they can be at times a frustrating side to watch Cardiff, mm. but also you know picking up some good results at home and you know beating was Leinster the last game they played at home? I can't remember. It's so bloody hard to keep up. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, obviously to get a win in that one was great, and then um, and then get a win there as well um, was good, but. I think, like we said a number of times, home advantage is just just so important. Um, mm. It's important in international rugby and in this league. It's mm. you know, it's it's even more so. Um, in, in a in a league refereed by homers, <laughs> it's really difficult to get decisions when you're on the road. What was, it, what was the game I watched? And I was like, what the hell is going? It was this. It was the Ospreys game. I've never. It was like um, you know, it was a computer game where they've turned off breakdown penalties and stuff. It's just all sorts going on, not just like flying in, but you know, grabbing the ball, falling over, and then it being a completely legit turnover. And um, yeah, I just saw numerous offences. It was just like, oh yeah, play on. No, that's all right. <laughs> Scragged a nine hour. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, it was just madness. I thought it was kind of almost a a new low for UFC refing, which is uh, which is saying something. Um, but yeah, it was a yeah, 
you know, all in all, I think you know when you have a, one of those weekends where two of the uh, two of the sides gets a gets a result. That's um, that's not. Yeah, that's not uh, bad, uh, Jacko. Not bad viewing, I think it? Jacko Piper was refing one of the games I watched. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah Jacko did the uh, the Scarlets. I mm. think. Yeah. Well, he wasn't. Blood pressure. He wasn't terrible in that game, but then, mm. you know, there was nothing on it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's the thing is, it's for a lot of referees. It's when one side is kidding on at the scrum, yeah, and they're not recognising it. That, that's when it gets. That's when it gets infuriating because a lot of refs and a lot of ex-players and a lot of people in <laughs> it, it, who follow rugby closely are not. Don't really understand when sides are at it, and um, yeah, and uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think it, it was a wide open game, so it probably suited Jacko Piper for the style of rugby he's grown up refereeing, if you know what I mean. So um, it definitely didn't suit him in Dublin, or didn't suit us in Dublin. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we can all agree on that. Um, right, let's take a look. Let's finish the the show then, Murph, with a with a look at two things. Let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the women's side first because that is a that's mm. a fantastic result, and you um you watched that one. Um, yeah. yeah, it'd be great to great to get your thoughts on on that result and also how the how the, the side kick on from here. Well, I feared the worst. I think it was nineteen ten down. I think they were, and um, kind of shades of previous seasons you know uh, uh, a collapse is coming kind of thing but uh, much like i guess um uh cardiff this weekend they, they benefited from uh being down in south africa for a fortnight and being subjected to high standards um the women's rugby team have benefited from turning professional and being sub- subjected to proper training uh, yeah. and so they finished the game stronger than the opposition and that's why they ended up running out to uh, 27 19 i think it was um I mean, the, the, the girl, who, I can't remember her name, but the girl, who's the centre who scored the try, she just looked in shock. She just like made the break and it's like any second now someone's going to catch me. Because it was a slow-mo of her face and her eyebrows were kind of right up in the edge. Like any second now, any second now. But no one caught her. And uh, uh, before she knew it, she was grounding the ball. So, And then it, uh, what got me was uh, the number of players crying after the whistle. Mm. Jasmine Joyce and just out of, loads of them just smiling and crying at the same time which is a good look so um yeah it's quite exciting i i and what you said earlier about none of us are experts and we don't cover it i i might end up being the resident expert because um two of my mates one of my old rugby mates and one of my old uh, drinking mates back in canton have got daughters in the welsh under 18 squad this year so uh, i'm probably going to see at least one of those games and then within about Two matches, I would imagine, I'll be a global expert on the women's game. Well, I've I've no doubt about that, yeah. Murph, as well. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do know I do know there are some listeners who know uh, know certainly a lot more about uh, about the game than me. But it's just brilliant, you know, brilliant to see a, a Wales side getting a result like that. So mm. absolutely fair play. And while we're talking about Welsh sporting sides getting good results, like we said, the the football was absolutely incredible for a number of reasons, but. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! I forgot about that. In, oh, I can't wait. Uh, yeah. in, uh, <laughs> I mean, in many respects, you know, the the bit that that really needs that needs looking at with a with a rugby hat on is uh, is the job the FAW have done for creating um, for creating an amazing atmosphere and an amazing environment and a uh, you know a stadium that's become a fortress 
really. I think 16, 17 wins, uh, sorry, 17 games undefeated there now off the back of that. Yeah, it's so, like, uh, incredible. Yeah, 2018 or something, isn't it? Last time they lost a game. A competitive yeah, game. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, that, that's to be applauded. And I think it, I wasn't there, sadly, but I mean, just looking at the, even just watching it on telly, the, the sense of occasion was just awesome. And you compare that to what we've been, you know, what we've been dealt um, in the Millennium Stadium in, in recent times. I think I'm thinking particularly that Italy game where you've got 10,000 odd spare seats on a day when... And France. You know, it's bit, and France. And France, yeah. 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 But, but I think particularly on Italy as well, where it's uh, it was the sound of a San Miguel getting opened. Um, um, I'm, on, I'm on Moretti tonight. Oh, I, okay. I'm going to tell you Italian, and then in a few weeks, someone's going to tell us it's actually from. <laughs> it's actually Malaysia. It's actually from yeah. Chile or somewhere. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, particularly the Italian game was um, was so disappointing because there was just this kind of like forced nonsense on you that you know Dan Bigger and, and Alan Wynne Jones are incredible servants to the game, and uh, you know we've. I'm a massive fan of both of them. How could you not be? But it just all felt very, very um, like it was a bit of a procession. And then what happened on the pitch let all of that down. Yeah. Um, but it's just the the atmosphere in there has has got increasingly more forced. And that's the thing that I think that the football yeah. is so good at is fundamentally everyone is there to watch the football first, mm. right? That's that's what everyone's there for. There's no gimmicky day tripper type stuff no. going on there. Yeah, everyone is really passionate in that stadium, yeah. and it shows. Yeah. And it shows. Um, look, there's there's so much stuff being flying about about uh, the difference between the two organisations in the last few days, and it's got as time goes on, it's become more and more glaringly obvious. Um, like um, just some of the things I've heard, like uh, yeah, uh, Welsh football get David Irwan, Welsh mm. rugby gets Prince William. Yeah, I mean. You know, you don't have to be a Republican <laughs> or anti-royal to see mm. which one is more interesting. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not even a a, a Welsh independence thing because there's plenty people in England who don't give a monkeys for the royal family either. Um, it's just, you know, it's just not interesting. It's just, I, yeah, uh, I preferred his uh, earlier stuff. Well, <laughs> and and, and anyway, if you yeah. if you look back, you know, uh, I've compared it. I think I said it to you on WhatsApp and uh, lots of my friends. Uh, Thursday night in uh, in Cardiff City Stadium was easily on a par with Wembley '99 in terms mm. of uh, a Welsh sporting event and the outcome and the build up, specifically the build up beforehand. Because '99 was Tom Jones, Max Boyce. Max Boyce had written a song yeah. specifically for the occasion, yeah, yeah. and it, it felt like we'd invaded London and you know all, all this. And then we beat them when they were miles better than us by appointing Scott Gibbs and all that stuff. And it's just something that is in our. It's, it's in there with, with a milestone moment in yeah, Welsh sporting with, history with um, beating England at Twickenham in the World Cup playoff game not playoff game uh, league phase pool yeah pool game of swimming and uh, uh, you know our first Grand Slam in 28 years all those moments uh, like in our um I don't know DNA now, and that yeah. that was that was another one that was as big as any sporting event, you know, along uh, alongside uh, uh, beating Belgium to be in the semi final of Euros, and and Bordeaux in particular was a one for me because yeah. I, I was at home watching my wife, and it was the shock of seeing all, <laughs> all the Welsh fans at a major tournament, and then the other shock after that of realizing 
from social media. Most of my mates were there, and I hadn't bloody gone. Um, or most, a lot of people I know, not most of my mates, a lot of people I know were there, and I should have gone as well. Uh, and and that was a, you know, that was a seismic event on um, on a, um, Thursday. And more importantly, it doesn't happen by mistake. No, it doesn't. It's managed like that. And or, if I if I went to that game. First of all, I'd be overjoyed to get a ticket because it's not easy. Now, you, they they reward fans who've been going yeah. to away games and consistently from all that stuff. And that's what it that's what it comes down to, Murph. Right? Yeah. Is you can tell that that atmosphere, like you said, that stadium is packed to the rafters with people who really care. And this is, mm. you know, this is a matter of a matter of life and death. Right? That's the that's yeah. the level of. Um, There's no neutrals in that stadium. No. There's no neutrals, and the, the um, Millennium Stadium, the Principality, is full—not full, but chock a block. There's lots and lots of neutrals, and I know because yeah. I see them around. I live here, uh, and and uh, the other thing, the flip side of that, if I I would have been delighted if I could have gone on Thursday, couldn't get a ticket. You just couldn't get a ticket. But if I'd gone to Wales, Italy, or any of the Six Nations games at home this year, I would have had to take an, and I, I and this I know this sounds like I'm being jokey or dramatic i would have taken ear defenders because the last time i went was or last summer wales canada i think last time i went to the stadium and i had a headache coming out because they're just blasting bullshit in my face the whole time from a massive speaker and i'm not interested in listening to someone's bullshit obviously if there's a bit of music whatever but it's just relentless abuse of my ears and i don't know if i've gone a bit uh being at home so much in the pandemic i've gone a bit uh sensitive to noise i'm not interested i don't i don't want to have my senses battered like that you know if i was if i was going to a nightclub you know <laughs> fine but not when i go into a sporting event i don't want to be battered in the ears the whole time so um yeah i mean generally speaking nor do i but you watch the way that you know i mean at, at times the uh the cardiff city stadium looked like you know looked like a rave with zombie nation and all that stuff going on yeah but there's a meaning to it do you know what i mean like yeah when you when you're in the when you're in the millennium and they're playing, you know. Yeah, but this is during AC, the game. AC, uh, yeah, during the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, they don't play tragic, music during it? the game. At, at, no, they no. Of course, at, they at Welsh games. They don't need to yeah. because they wouldn't. You wouldn't hear the music over the fans. That's yeah. the difference. But even the stuff before it, you know, when the players are coming out and it's blooming whatever it is, Metallica or something, it's like, well, what the hell's that got to do with Welsh rugby? You know, yeah. like whether you're a Metallica fan or not, it's mm. like. It's like there's there's nothing in there because yeah. it's all just like oh we better I would like a, a song. I'd like a little bit of Nick, I'd like a little bit of Nick Drake or something to walk out to, something to soothe my <laughs> soothe my headache from listening to the you know and it's obviously there's music but it's relentless announcements and then yeah. you know that guy is but shouting it's forced it's forced height yeah. that's the problem that guy is shouting Whereas... into a microphone which is really amplifying his voice as well you know yeah, no, uh, yeah I don't know I just. Uh, it's not just uh, uh, the stadium. Most rugby games, um, mm. it's just a hype man there the whole time. And you know, maybe the style of play we're seeing from our regions—they need a hype man. I don't know, but um, it's very different from what I got attached to the sport in, which was mm. <laughs> a guy, a guy in his eighties doing the announcements of the try uh, and and the ball boy, and then and, and then a, a youth brass band quietly playing in the corner before the game and as i've mentioned before a thick smell of cigar and mm. uh, that was it that, that was my builder and then obviously when you went to international games as a kid it was the shock of 
grown men peeing everywhere. <laughs> mm. uh, but the noise of the singing and, and the atmosphere was just organic, completely organic. Yeah, that, that's, that's the bit that you've hit on there, um, because I think the... Uh, as we know, caffeine's better than nicotine, so no need to bring back the uh, and, no need to bring back the cigar and, smoke. But and toilets are better than umbrellas as and well. To- and toilets <laughs> are better than umbrellas, but uh, th- it's the organic bit, and that's that's the point. Is let's let, let, let's be honest about it. The the stadium has re- the Millennium Stadium has reached that point where loads of fans have been priced out by it. Traditional rugby fans go, do you know what? I cannot be asked to pay eighty quid to watch yeah. to watch Wales labour past. Samoa in the autumn or what you know maybe that one wouldn't be 80 quid but you know what I mean right is, is, is there is there is a degree of it being overpriced and obviously this is difficult because they need people to buy those tickets in order to keep you know for the last 10 years it'd been the only part of bloody Welsh rugby that made any money was internationals right mm. and that's the danger of having it so top heavy yeah um but it's the organic bit I've said this so many times right you talk about a brass band there and I know that might sound a bit twee and stuff but there is something in Welsh DNA that, that, that that's attached to something. Mm. It's more it's more related to Welsh history than Metallica is. And it's just yeah. like, you know, but, but there, there was, you know, a, a, um, a choir and a brass band and genuine singing going on throughout the, mm. going on throughout the stadium would make such a difference. Yeah. And I've said it before, I would love, I would love to have one end of it uh, as like a singing end. You know, and yeah, yeah. Again, it might it might sound twee. But well, again, that's been fostered at the football. F- football games yeah, used to be completely ball, dead. Right? You know, completely devoid of back when they were in the um, national stadium and whatever. It would be completely void of life, mainly because you'd have a, a hardcore of really passionate um, soccer, uh, football fans s- spread out around the stadium, yeah. away from each other, and mixed in with knobheads like me who would go now and again and then you know be a little, a little bit of uncertain what was going on but why is you know why is that one guy allowed to pick it up and the others can't that kind of thing uh, <laughs> but uh that, that was what they used to be like and they've they've gone you know things like um the Barry horns and other things have got mm. together and said we, we've got to try and get some atmosphere going not just them the faw have really a big part in that we've got to try and get something going at welsh games because we can get in behind the boys is you know, a big part of supporting yeah. your team, and, and it, it it does. You know, it does help the players as well. It drives them on. So um, that's that was the start of it, and then moving to Cardiff City Stadium. Um, I mean, when I was a schoolboy, they were all in Indian Park. Uh, yeah. So and the, the refusal to they could have easily made a mint by moving to the uh, yeah. principality for this game, and they refused, and they're going to refuse yeah, in the future as well. And um, they just they're just getting it right a lot, you know. Yeah, no, you're exactly right, and and Welsh rugby has got a lot of a lot of thinking to do about how we do that and get behind the boys and get behind the girls and who you know mm. hopefully there'll be there'll be a you know a, a because to be fair yeah, to be fair you know it's long overdue them getting professional contracts but let's hope that that is a reason for the sport to kick on in uh, the, the women's sport to kick on in the country not just from a you know a um, a commercial point of view because we need you know to grow that area of the game but. Because it's important. It's just great to see Welsh sporting sides do well. Yeah. Um, so they probably, at this stage, they probably don't pay their way, do they? Oh, right now. No. They don't, yeah. yeah. But but it is an area yeah. where there is so, where there is growth because right exactly. now there's so few, so little money coming into the um, to the women's game that 
you know, if you can get a generation of not just girls, but particularly girls interested in watching and playing rugby, mm. then there is an opportunity to. to really it was work. all terrestrial coverage as well this weekend. So, yeah, yeah is they going in the right direction, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, if you've got any ideas of how uh, of how we can improve the atmosphere and the uh, organically improve the. Uh, uh, the the sense of atmosphere in the in the Millennium Stadium and rugby in general. Let us know. Um, do that on Twitter at Attacking Scrum or uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Murph's been an absolute joy to have you back. Um, and I know, <laughs> Thanks, mate. And I know the uh, I know the hardcore support of the Attacking Scrum. Um, you know, the, yeah. the Murph the Murph Ultras. I know. Um, we'll uh, we'll have been delighted to have had you back. Freak, but, freaked um, me out that did when I was getting requests to uh, have a rant last week. And like I say, I I, I am I, sorry I, I couldn't get out of the uh, shindig that I was going to, but I'm a little bit glad that I didn't um, come on angry, as they say. Don't drive angry. Because um, um, there's been more positivity around this week, so... Fair play. Well, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back. And a thanks, as always, to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some great quality coffee, you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Right, we'll be back to chat rugby the next week. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.